Welcome to Biology Lessons on Air. This episode is based on the Edexcel International GCSE 91 specification from the book by Phil Bradfield and Steve Potter. My name is Veronica Thanasiu, and today we will be covering chapter four about food and digestion. We're gonna start talking about a balanced diet, and then we are going to talk about the chemistry, the sources, and the functions of the main food groups. Food and digestion, page 52 of your book, a balanced diet. The food that we eat is called our diet, anything you eat. Nutrition is important for energy supply, for growth and repair of tissues, and to help fight disease and keep the body healthy. You have to know these three reasons why what we eat is important. We eat because we need a supply of energy. Food is the fuel that cells use in respiration to get energy as a molecule called ATP. Nutrition is important for growth and repair of tissues because new cells have to be made uh, in order to grow when we are growing or in order to repair damaged tissues, like for instance, skin, uh, the lining of our gut, or uh, making uh, sex cells. Nutrition is also important to keep ourselves healthy. We need to make sure that we provide ourselves with the chemicals that they need for the metabolic reactions that take place to be taking place properly. In this way, if there is an attack by a pathogen like a virus or a bacteria, then our immune system can fight disease um, or the cells can work in a way so that we don't feel the discomfort of any condition. A balanced diet must include foods from the five main food groups that are carbohydrates, lipids, proteins, minerals, and vitamins, plus fiber and water. You must know these seven groups. Repeat after me, carbohydrates, lipids, proteins, minerals, vitamins, fiber, water. A diet that provides enough of these substances and in the correct proportions to keep you healthy is called a balanced diet. Make sure that you highlight this definition and that you understand it and therefore you can write it down or explain it to someone from page 52 at the bottom of the page, last paragraph, last four lines. Carbohydrates. We get carbohydrates from sweet tasting foods and starchy foods. If you are asked to name 
five sources of foods that contain carbohydrates, you must name them. For example, table sugar or sucrose, uh, fruits, bread, potato, and rice. The function of carbohydrates is to act as fuel. This means that they are oxidized during cellular rep respiration to get energy. Carbohydrates are molecules made of carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen in the proportion carbon water. So if you know the chemical symbol for carbon is a big C and the formula for water, the molecule of water is H2O. So if you put these two together, it's one C H2, that means two hydrogens and O, CH2O. Uh, in that is the proportion. Now there is no carbohydrate that contains only one carbon atom, but there is the double, approximately double number of hydrogen atoms with respect to oxygen and carbon. This is in simple sugars, and when they combine to form polysaccharides, polymers are larger molecules of these simple sugars, then the, the number of uh, H2O is going to change. Simple carbohydrates are called sugars, and some examples are fructose, which is the sugar found in fruits, sucrose, which is found in sugarcane, and lactose, which is a simple sugar found in milk. Uh, storage carbohydrates uh, are polymers called polysaccharides because they are made of simple sugars. Some examples are starch and glycogen that you already studied when you did the plant and the animal cell. Plants store carbohydrates as starch, we learned, and animals store carbohydrates as glycogen. These are large molecules and they are used for storage of energy because they are insoluble and in water. Simple sugars are soluble so they can move around in the bodies of plants and animals in solution. Remember that our cells are bathed by extracellular fluid which is mainly made of water. There is another important polysaccharide that you have already heard about, and it's cellulose. Cellulose is a polysaccharide that makes up the cell wall in plant cells. It is not digested by the human gut, so it remains in it, and it helps the food move along the digestive system. That's what we know as dietary fiber or roughage. All this information is on page 53 of your book. Make sure that you highlight the key points, that you find the keywords in the glossary at the end of the book, and that you are able to recall what some keywords are like glucose, fructose, lactose, sucrose, starch, 
glycogen, cellulose, dietary fiber, monosaccharides, polysaccharides. The second food group we will be talking about is lipids. It includes fats and oils. Fats are lipids that are solid at room temperature and oils are lipids that are liquid at room temperature. The difference in their melting point is due to their chemical structure that we will be looking at in a minute. Sources of lipids in a balanced diet are vegetable oils, any kind of oil like olive oil or soybean oil, butter, cheese, milk, and meat. The function of the lipids is structural. They make up the cell membranes in both plant cells and animal cells. They are important to store energy. They protect delicate organs in the bodies, like there is fat around the kidneys, for example, because they are not protected by bones. And they play an important role in body insulation to keep the temperature constant. The fatty layers under the skin help uh, insulate the bodies. So heat losses are reduced. Chemical composition of lipids. All lipids contain carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen with a lower proportion of oxygen than carbohydrates. There are different types of lipids and there is one group. Chemical composition is represented in figure 4.4 on page 54. Yellow part labeled glycerol. Glycerol is a molecule of three carbon atoms and then three fatty acids represented at zigzags. The fatty acids vary in length and in composition. In some cases, the carbon atoms are joined by a single bond. In other cases, they are joined by double bonds. Depending on whether the chain uh, is composed by all single covalent bonds between the carbon atoms, then we call those kind of fats saturated fats. The unsaturated fats contain double bonds. Saturated fats are more common in food from animal sources. And unsaturated are more common in plant oils. The length and the saturation of the fatty acids is what determines the melting point in a particular lipid. There are other groups of lipids that are very important and that you will study when you look in more detail at the structure of the cell membrane. So there are other lipids, like those in the cell membrane are called phospholipids. And then you have cholesterol, which is also a kind of lipid called a steroid. Very important because it is a component of animal cell membranes, but it is also the precursor of sex hormones, for example, and other important substances in the metabolism of the body. Proteins. They make up about 18% of the mass of the body. 
This is the second largest percentage after water. All cells contain protein, so we need it for growth and repair of tissues. Many compounds in the body are made from protein, including enzymes. Most foods contain some protein, but certain foods such as meat, fish, cheese, and eggs are particularly rich in it. You will notice that these foods are animal products. Plant material generally contains less protein, but some foods like beans, peas, and nuts are richer in proteins than others. We don't need much protein in our diet to stay healthy. Doctors recommend a maximum daily intake of about 70 grams. Proteins are also polymers. They are made up of subunits called amino acids. All amino acids contain four chemical elements, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, along with nitrogen. Two amino acids also contain sulfur. So proteins contain two more elements compared to lipids and carbohydrates, apart from carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen that is common to all three groups of food. Proteins also contain nitrogen. All the amino acids that make up any protein contain nitrogen. Two of the 20 amino acids found in living organisms also contain sulfur. So two of the 20 amino acids will contain carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and sulfur. As the amino acids join together, they form long chains. Sometimes these chains twist into spirals or they fold. As they fold or twist, they can form a particular three-dimensional shape. Because there are 20 amino acids, they can be arranged in any order, making thousands of different proteins. That's why the shape of each protein is so specific. Because some proteins are enzymes, uh, they uh, have this particular shape that will allow them to act only on one particular type of substrate. Remember that enzymes are biological catalysts that speed up metabolic reactions in the body. They do not form part of the reaction, but they are needed for the reaction to take place. Other proteins are part of the cells that make, for example, the hair. The protein is called keratin, which you've probably heard of. And collagen is also an important component of bone cells, cartilage, skin. Another important protein in our body that you probably heard of is hemoglobin. Hemoglobin, it's a molecule that consists of four three-dimensional structures with an atom of iron in the middle of each one of the four parts of the hemoglobin protein.
So far, we haven't mentioned any of the three main food groups having iron. So there are certain minerals that must be also consumed because they play an important role in the body. On page 55 of your book, table 4.1, you have some examples of minerals needed by the body. In this specification, they ask us to focus on two, calcium and iron. We already said that the hemoglobin molecule has iron in its structure. This is extremely important for the molecule to be able to carry oxygen around the body. We get iron from red meat, liver, eggs, and spinach. Calcium is another important mineral because it is part of our bones and teeth. We get it from dairy products, fish, bread, and vegetables. If you are a vegetarian, make sure that you eat plenty of different kinds of vegetables so that you can get the minerals that you need. If a person doesn't get enough of a mineral from their diet, they will show the symptoms of a mineral deficiency disease. For example, a one-year-old child needs to consume about 600 milligrams of calcium every day to make the bones grow properly and harden. Anything less than this over a prolonged period could result in poor bone development. The bones become deformed and the disease is called rickets. Have a look at figure 4.7 on page 56. Make sure that you are able to recall rickets as a deficiency disease when not enough calcium is consumed. What is the name of the condition caused by not consuming enough iron in, their in our daily food intake? Make sure you highlight it on page 56 and you are able to recall the name and what it means. The last food group we are going to talk about in detail uh, is the group of vitamins. Vitamins are chemicals needed in small amounts to stay healthy. Vitamin A is part of the retina in the eye and it's needed to see well in dim light. We get it from fish liver oils, liver, butter and carrots. Make sure you highlight all the information about vitamin A on table 4.2 on page 57 of your book. Vitamin C is needed for healthy lining tissues of the body. Good food sources are citrus fruits, berries and tomatoes. Vitamin D is essential for healthy bones and teeth. Our skin can make it in sunlight or we get it from fish liver oils. So what happens when you can't consume fish? You need to find alternative sources of vitamin A and vitamin D. A deficiency of vitamin D as can also be responsible for rickets. So calcium and vitamin D are very important in order to be able to have healthy bones. 
Otherwise, a mineral deficiency or a vitamin deficiency for vitamin D is, can result in rickets. Vitamin A is needed to make a light sensitive chemical in the retina of the eye. You are going to study this in more detail later on. A lack of vitamin A causes therefore night blindness because we wouldn't be able to see well in dim light. And a lack of vitamin C, it causes problems with what we call the connective tissues of the body. They are the lining tissues, but they also wrapped around organs. A disease called scurvy is caused by vitamin C deficiency. In scurvy, wounds fail to heal and bleeding occurs in various places in the body, especially noticeable in the gums. Have a look at figure 4.9 in the book. So we've mentioned vitamin A, vitamin C, and vitamin D because these are the ones that are specified in the syllabus. Music